Well, amen. I am excited to, uh, to be here with you today and to also uh, hear of all of the, the worship that has happened already of the Lord and the requests and the praises and the prayers. This is a good place to be. Uh, I don't know about you, but uh, I've really felt ready for this Sunday all week. Uh, and it's been an exciting journey studying God's Word and preparing for this new series that we're on. And what's delightful is to now hear that it appears that you are ready uh, for this uh, new series and this new journey together, um, speaking on revival. And as we jump in today, um, my hope and my, my heart behind this was captured by a gentleman by the name of Gypsy Smith. And as I read his thought and some more of his writings, this quote kind of starts us off on the journey. And you probably look around and things look different. And that's intentional. Uh, Kenny and I have been praying and wandering around in the, the sanctuary, wandering around the block, wandering around in our homes, wandering around in the community, praying and crying out to the Lord as we really sense, um, certainly we know there's a wrestling and a stirring that's happening. And, but we sense that this is God's spiritual movement as well. We know that society is stirred up and anxious and frustrated, but we, we believe that we know and trust in a God who is above our worries and above our kingdoms, our, our human kingdoms, and he is worthy of our trust. So Gypsy Smith said, if you want to start a revival, go home, get a piece of chalk, Go into your closet and draw a circle and ask God to start a revival inside the chalk mark. When he has answered your prayers, the revival has begun. So these circles, they're around, they're not perfect. Even if I wanted to make a perfect circle, you know how hard that is to make. But these circles are around because I want us to consider the challenge all morning and for the next couple months, actually. What would it take for you to stand and to stand in this circle and to recognize that it, a revival, a following of Jesus, an intimate following of him starts with you just as much as it starts with me? I can't hold your hand and force you to stand in the circle. But my hope is that today the Spirit of the Lord, the Spirit of the living God, would prompt, nudge, and get you out of your comfort zone that we might jump at the chance of asking the Lord to revive us individually, corporately, as a nation today. So as I read this thought from Gypsy Smith, it got me thinking, for you and for me, are we satisfied with the spiritual journey that you're currently on? 
Are you satisfied with where that will take you? Are you excited about the direction that your life is headed towards? We all have regrets. We all have joys. But if it keeps on the same trajectory, are you headed where you want to land? And so this has become my prayer, and I want to pray over us as we continue in this heartbeat and this rhythm of prayer today, which has been so delightful to be a part of. Would you pray with me? Lord Jesus, we come to you in an unstable world, and we believe and know that you are stable. We worship you because you give us our hope in the midst of uncertainty. And we release all of the things and the worries and the people and the leaders that aren't following you intimately and passionately, Lord. And we say, Lord, help us to draw close to you, Jesus. Help us to be continually praying for those around us. We recognize, Lord, and we submit to you that our kingdoms, they rise and they fall. Our human kingdoms are just that. They're sinful. They're human. We release these to you, Jesus. We ask that your eternal kingdom would be on our mind continually. We would teach as though it is true. We would believe as though it is true. We would live as though it is true. And we would get to know you more and more, Jesus, in the midst of these studies and in these proclamations and in these pauses that we take to notice your handiwork and your movement throughout the history of time. It's in your name we pray, Jesus. Amen. Have you ever noticed that as you look in the course of history, if you've ever grabbed a book that recorded revivals, the reason the revival was recorded is because a revival took place. I know, this is mind-blowing. But if you opened it, it wouldn't just say, John Smith from such and such a town prayed for revival and no revival ever came, and they record 400 pages of that non-revival. So when you look at these stories, and as Kenny has been doing a lot of research and has been sharing these beautiful things, and as I try to wrap my mind around all these different beautiful stories, I have to pause and recognize that it started with someone who didn't know a revival was about to begin. It had to start somewhere. And I think, honestly, it was a person that was humble, and in their humility, they didn't pray for a revival to reach the nations. They felt that the Lord was prompting them to obey, to submit themselves to him, to humbly weep before the Lord. And sometimes, if not every time, they were caused to lead boldly by themselves in prayer. I know that sounds really radical. We ask you to pray, but if someone takes the moment to pray, takes the commitment to pray, even when no one joins them, even if no one joins them, 
and they listen and they obey, we see time and time again that revival started. So I ask you, are you just praying for revival to happen somewhere else? Or are you asking that revival would start with you? Are you asking that your pastor would get really passionate and he would preach better? Or are you asking that the Lord would start to move in and through you? It's easy to want someone else to do it. It's an entirely different story when you're asking for you to respond. And that's my request, because if the Lord moved through each and every one of us, can you imagine the magnitude of the Lord's blessing if we, his people, would obey? If we, his people, would listen and believe? And revival doesn't have to start in distant lands, and it doesn't have to start overseas. It doesn't have to start in, the, in a church nearby. It starts with me. So I want you to hear many, many times throughout this series that I'm not saying that you need to go stand in this circle. I'm just as much saying I need to stand in this circle. I need to get real with the Lord and confess my own weaknesses, my own grievances, my own struggles, my own anxieties, and talk with the Lord myself. This is not a posture of spotlighting yourself. This is standing before the Lord. This is weeping before the Lord. This is like Gypsy Smith drawing that circle in your closet where no one else sees, and you take time to intimately, passionately confess and sit with the Lord and believe that he's going to move. And asking that he would prompt you to move. When I began thinking about this, uh, Kenny mentioned a, a statement um, that captured my mind. It said, uh, in we can't just ask for revival without defining what vived means. You just you can't be revived if you don't know what vived is. So when I ask that we would see revival, some of you may be thinking, well, I know what revival is. But do we? I'm sure that an account comes to your mind of when something took place and when God's spirit moved and you can see throughout the history of time when thousands of people joined together and worshiped the Lord for the first time. Well, what happened that they revived? This is individuals coming to know Jesus for the first time. If you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, if you have not confessed your sins, if you have not believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, revival won't come to you because you haven't been vived. We pray for revival, but are we sure that everyone in the room knows Jesus? It starts with each one of us knowing Jesus. It starts with a relationship with Jesus. I want us to recognize that and not jump past it and start praying for revival that God would start moving in our midst. Are you ready? Do you believe in this God? 
Do you believe that it is true? Are you ready for revival to take place? Because you're in such a place yourself. I want to look at three different passages here today. We're going to start in Ephesians. This is one generation after Paul visited Ephesus. And this is what he says. When I think of all this, I fall to my knees and pray to the Father, the creator of everything in heaven and on earth. I pray that from his glorious unlimited resources, his power will empower you with inner strength through his spirit. Then Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust in him. Your roots will go down into God's love and keep you strong. The roots of revival, we've talked about this phrase. I've mentioned it briefly, but the roots of revival means that you are rooted in Christ. We believe that Christ can move in and through you if you are with him. If you know him, the revival can begin with you. And really the anthem or some of the theme, the prayer theme of the day, takes us to Psalm chapter 85, verses 6 and 7. It's a question. Won't you revive us again so your people can rejoice in you? Show us your unfailing love, O Lord, and grant us your salvation. That question, won't you revive us again so your people can rejoice in you in Psalm 85? And then let's go to Acts 3. Now repent of your sins and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped away. Then times of refreshment will come from the presence of the Lord, and he will again send you, Jesus, your appointed Messiah. After Peter felt the Lord's presence and the Lord healed the cripple in Peter's midst, these are the words that he said. This was the start of a vibe. This, was a, this wasn't a revive. This was this man knowing the Lord for the first time, and he said, now repent of your sins. Turn to God so your sins may be wiped away. Then times of refreshment will come from the presence of the Lord, and he will again send you Jesus, your appointed Messiah. Hmm. We were drawn into that first love and praying for that first love of Christ to come in your life. Maybe this is the moment. Maybe you're online and you're sitting by yourself and you sense that the Lord is calling you to make a declaration that you know Jesus for the first time. How beautiful would it be for you wherever you're at to sense that the Lord is calling you into a life, a commitment where you are free of your sin and you've released those things to the Lord and you are now free to follow him. This is truly where revival takes place. And here's what this series will not be. We're not going to report on all of these different moves of the Spirit where we're just sharing a report. We're not going to just share facts of the situation. 
We're not just going to give a statistical report. Does anybody else love just statistical reports? Well, there's beauty in it, and we might mention it here and there, but here's what we want to do. We want to talk about the move of God. We want to talk about the lives that were changed. We want to talk about people that intimately or perhaps the first time knew Jesus as their Lord and Savior. That's worth talking about. We don't want to open a book and say, okay, now, Newberg friends, we need to follow this revival steps 1 through 42. And this will get us there. We don't want to open some box and say, okay, this is how churches are supposed to do it. We want to believe that God can move in our midst if we will humble ourselves. We will, we will lay ourselves out in his presence and believe that he is on the move again. And he will move here. As we go back to Psalm 85, I'm going to give an opportunity in a moment here for Kenny to jump up here and to share some as well. But we could go to Psalm 85. I love this question. Won't you revive us again so your people can rejoice in you? Show us your unfailing love, O Lord, and grant us your salvation. Kenny, would you share with us? There's so much uh, we can say about revival, and I love Keith's heart. And certainly, um, I was thinking over there, studying a book on business a few years back, Five Dysfunctions of a Team, and the first dysfunction is when the leader is not transparent and vulnerable. So I'm so thankful uh, that Keith has chosen to go this way, and, and the vulnerability and uh, openness will certainly open us more to what the Lord wants to do. Um, I just wanted to share, there's a bunch of stuff running around my heart, <laughs> but I uh, just wanted to share a few moments about, uh, number one, a time I had alone with God uh, in the midst of other people, but a shaking that happened to me uh, in Kona, Hawaii one day. Um, and then at the end, I want to share a dream I had last week. Uh, how many know in the Bible it says, uh, your young children will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. I guess I'm getting older. Move from the vision side to the dream side. But uh, <clears throat> just a true revelation of God's heart. It came on a, uh, a typical Tuesday morning in Kona. We were ready to have our staff meeting. If you don't know, I was in Youth with a Mission. And in Youth with a Mission, you have several different discipleship programs going on at once all over. This is a 150-acre place, so you picture it bigger than you might think. It's bigger than George Fox, probably. It's a huge facility, but there's about a 1,000 people there in different groups meeting. And we just met for a staff meeting, you know, typical. You got your coffee in hand, and, and we're just kind of chatting, and a man walks in, one of our leaders, and he says, hey, did any of you hear what happened yesterday in Fire and Fragrance? That's one of the groups. And we all went, no, what happened? And he said, the power of God came down in the tent and people were moved 
I mean, it was interrupted what the speaker was speaking. People were falling to their knees and weeping. And right when he said those words, one of the girls, who's the most reserved girl <laughs> in our staff, she was from Norway and was just very reserved, she fell to the knee, her knees and began to weep. It's like the Holy Spirit visited us at that moment while speaking about what God was doing. That just caught on all around the circle. We all felt this huge weight of the Lord's presence come upon us. Um, and everyone responded in different ways. But the Lord took me over to another corner and I, I pretty much fell down almost under the weight of God's presence. And um, the Lord said, the Holy Spirit spoke to my heart, I wanna show you a little bit of my burden for the church. It wasn't a burden for the world, it was a burden for the church. And I have to tell you that as he began to speak to me, I felt more and more weight to the point where, almost like a mask, but even worse, I could not hardly breathe under that weight that was on me. And he began to quote a scripture, and it was out of Revelation 3, and he said, let me find it so I can quote it correctly, but it was to the church in Laodicea, and he was speaking this, I know your deeds, that you're neither hot nor cold. I wish that you were either, because you're lukewarm. I will spew you out of my sight. And then he talked about the church in Sardis. He said, you've left your first love. And he was, uh, I'm trying to find it here. But you do not realize that you are wretched. Oh, here it is, okay. You say, I am rich, I have acquired wealth, and have need of nothing. But you do not realize that you are wretched, and pitiful, and poor, and blind, and naked. And he spoke that to my heart, and I was... You know how it says in the Bible where there's, you can only groan. Basically, I could only groan at that point. And then the Lord said, took me over to the story in Matthew immediately, said, there's five wise and five foolish. They've let the oil run out of their lamps. You've let the oil run out of your lamps. And then right back to Revelation, you're poor and blind and wretched and naked. And he took me back and forth to a point where uh, I basically pled with the Lord, please let this lift, because I don't know if I can go on. I don't know if I can even breathe anymore, God. And he lifted it off of me. Uh, but he left me with this indelible mark. It's been five years and two weeks since that happened. Um, I'd like to tell you what happened on the base after that, on Kona. We canceled everything, which is kind of a start to a move of God many times. It's like, cancel all the things we had planned Everyone met in this huge tent and the glory of the Lord fell on us and we were there for, I think it was a whole day. It was just a whole time of being with the Lord and it was before we were all sent out all over the world in missions and ministry. But I would like to appeal to us today <clears throat> to those two verses as we start and as we think about revival as it begins in our own circle, in our own life, to come humbly before the Lord to read the words of the church of Laodicea, of Lord, have I left my first love? Everything starts with coming back to that first love for the Lord, back to the simplicity. As I was praying in here yesterday, I was praying, Lord, you said in the Bible, you said in your word when you walk the earth that unless we become as little children, we can't even see the kingdom of God. So perhaps those are two things that are the same. Coming back to first love is coming back to that childlike, 
attitude with the Lord, to not resisting the Holy Spirit. Two things that I think the church does a lot. We quench the Holy Spirit and we resist the Holy Spirit. And God's calling each of us today to not resist him, to not quench him. And the Lord uh, continually brings me back to the other part. Lord, are my, is my lamp filled? Where am I at with you? Another thing that happened was that I had a dream, and I believe it was for this church, and I believe it was for our city. And uh, I have some prophetic dreams, not as many as my wife. She's a prophetic dreamer. If you don't know what that means, that means that a lot of her dreams are very significant, and they're speaking to her heart or to the body of Christ or to others. And, uh, and so we write those down or we speak them into our phone, you know, and we, we want to make sure that uh, we remember them. But I just want to tell you a little bit of this dream, and I believe it was for our church, and I believe it was for, for our city. And in the dream, I was actually a, a, like a minor actor in a movie, and my friend was... She's a lady that actually were here two weeks ago visiting. Barbie, she's from George Fox, but she was producing this movie. And for some reason, she had me in as like, like a minor part, and I was struggling with acting. And she said, no, you're doing well. Now, Kenny, I want you to go into the church scene. And she had set up a, a whole scene of a church, and I want you to go to the piano and just play. And, you know, we're, we're going to start filming. So it was just supposed to be a like a role play, you know, and filming. And uh, I got to the piano, and I sat down, as happens sometimes, and uh, it's like in my dream, the Holy Spirit came on me, like probably with David when he was on his harp. And I know that they were just getting ready to film, and she said, ready, action. And I began to sing the words of a song. It was a song that really transformed our life about 10 years ago. And basically, the gist of the song is, all is for your glory. All is for your name, all is for your glory, that in all things you may have the first place, that in all things you may have preeminence. And I started singing that song just as like, you know, for the film. And I heard somebody fall to the ground and start weeping, and I looked behind me, and the main actor in the movie had fallen to the ground and was weeping, and I just kept playing. And then I started noticing something happen, and I feel like this is for the church and there were facades because it would look like a sanctuary. And there were these facades that began to fall in on the set. It began to fall in. The facade of what sometimes we practice and we feel that is church. And it might be our traditions. It might be the way that we're used to doing things. It might be our preferences. And all those things begin to fall in. And I remember I started singing another part of the song. Catch me up in your story all my life for your glory. And as that happened, I was kind of pulled up above. If you've ever been in a dream and you kind of get pulled up above it. And I could feel the wind of the Spirit. And I saw that whole place just be impacted by the Holy Spirit's presence. The whole church was filled with his glory. And I was singing, catch me up in your story all my life for your glory. And I began to weep in my dream. And as I woke up, as has happened a few times, but as I woke up, I was weeping in reality. I was weeping and tears were flowing and I just began to worship the Lord. Trisha woke up, we sang that song and began to worship him. And all I know is that, um, you know, I was telling Trisha, you can, it can feel sometimes as a leader that you feel like you're manipulating like a revival or a move of God or something and you're, you know, you're calling people to it, but I don't feel it's that way at all with, uh, 
as Keith and I have been praying, we've certainly felt God is wooing us into a place of should we come apart and pray and pray for his glory to come down in this place and his glory to come down in this city? Can we all surrender all of our trappings? Can we let all of the things fall away that are so secondary, not only in our life, but even perhaps in this church? I didn't grow up in a Quaker church. I grew up in the Assemblies of God. Trust me, we have lots of our own things that we deal with. There's so many things that we can make as primary and as preferences. In order to have revival, we have to submit, we have to be vulnerable, we have to be open, and we have to let go of the secondary things and make them in their spot and go after God. So that's, I believe, what my dream was about, that God is looking for a people who are hungry for him, and I believe he's found it here. So would you let the hunger increase? Ask the Lord, increase my hunger. Increase it, Lord. I really, really do believe that uh, we're supposed to give some space today. Um, And that might mean that uh, you have to go outside of your comfort zone. Um, As we were praying, we really did pray that you would get out of your comfort zone today. Um, So know that we are praying in such a way. Um, Isn't it strange when you start praying and then you start seeing all of the restrictions all of the COVID things. Katie and I, we were walking around and we, we had these ideas of what, what God could be on the move and do and, and then we started to struggle, or at least I did. But how do we keep distance? How do we prepare ourselves when it's so difficult? So I don't know what the Lord is doing in your heart today. I'm not sure how you feel prompted, but I want to give you a couple opportunities to respond. There are some X's. They're on the front row. They're kind of all over the place. They're also uh, right before um, the steps to come up here. If you want to go to one of those spaces to pray, uh, that's totally up to you. We would love for you to feel the freedom to uh, whether you want to sit or kneel. Um, I recognize that there are restrictions. If you want us to pray for you, I'll do my best to keep my distance and I'll put my mask on and pray with you. If you'd like your own space, that's totally fine. Perhaps, though, you need to stand in one of these circles. And I thought, what would it look like if we took photos of our feet in the circle so you could be reminded this week? Perhaps you could post it and saying in some way, shape, or form, or even just printing it off and putting it on your wall. Lord Jesus, it starts with me. I want to be in the center of your will. There's also chalk that's going to be over at this exit as well as this exit. They're underneath the little tables. They're in a Ziploc bag. If you want to take one of those chalks and you want to, maybe you go outside today and you write on one of our sidewalks. They're yours. Go for it. 
Do a circle. Spend some time praying. Maybe you do it right by where your car is. Maybe you take it home and you do it in your driveway. It's going to rain, so it won't stay forever. Maybe you need to go out there every time it rains and remember. I really believe that the Lord is moving us towards this. But it starts with you being willing to humble yourself and pray. And it starts with me humbling myself to pray. So I want us to uh, go into a time just to listen to this song one more time. And as this song is playing, if you want to position yourself up here, it can, it can start in your pew. There's no need to move. But if you want to come to one of the X's or you want to stand in one of the circles, this will be an opportunity for you to do so. I'm going to remain up here. I'm going to put my mask on. Um, in a bit, I'll just I'll say uh, a brief prayer, um, and that'll be the opportunity for you online to exit left and stage left. But for us here, if you need to stay and you need to spend time with God, there's no hurry. If you're making big life decisions, then spend some time doing that. If you need to take some chalk and go, then go with the Lord's blessing here today. I believe that the Lord is on the move. So would you sing these words and pray these prayers and make yourself available to the Lord and move where he calls you to right now.